the help of Hashem, we are learning Bavakama Dav Peivav. We left off on Dav Peivav on the Dalif, 10 lines from the top of the Amid. Rabba asked the following question If Ruven damages Shimon, and Shimon only suffers a temporary loss, for example, Shimon's arm shriveled up, and he cannot go to work for a month, so there's no question that Ruven has to pay Shimon for the loss of income for the Shavas of that month. No question about that. The question is, does he also have to pay for the temporary loss in his value? And it's good to know that when Shimon, if Shimon would have been sold in a slave market, even though Shimon only has a temporary wound, it's possible that people will pay less money for him by saying, listen, yeah, in most cases the wound will heal in a month. Maybe it won't. Maybe it won't fully heal. People might pay less money for him. And if indeed that's the case, is that another obligation that Reuven will have to pay to Shimon? That was the question that Rabbah asked. And the Gemara wanted to resolve that question, quoting a Mishnah, that we're going to actually have tomorrow on Daf Pei Zayin. The Mishnah speaks about a person who, God forbid, hits his father or his mother. The Mishnah is trying to tell you the din, that in as much as when a person does one act, that has on it, has with it, that causes two punishments, a more severe one and a more lenient one. So the rule is you only get the more severe one, come a person hating one's parent, God forbid, if a person wounds them, as we explained yesterday, by causing blood to move, even if blood doesn't break skin, if blood moved internally, then you're chayiv misa. If there's a chayiv misa based in, then they don't have to pay the parent anything. But the Mishnah says, if a person wounded their parent and they didn't cause a bruise, then they have to pay all of the five devarim. They have to pay, you know, for nezek, tzad, ripi, shavas, and boishas. So the Gemara says, ah, if there is no wound, that must mean that the bruise was temporary. Because if it would have been something of permanency, that was the havamina, then they are wounded. Then you don't pay anything. You get killed in Beisden. And never, so, so there is no wound. There is no permanent damage. It's only a temporary damage. Nevertheless, the Mishnah says, the son has to pay the parent all Hamisha Devanim. So that proves that you do have to pay Nezek, even if the injury is only temporary. To which the Gemara responded that you do not have a proof from that Mishnah, because maybe the Mishnah is speaking about a case where the blemish was permanent. I, if it's permanent, why aren't you Chayiv Misa? So the example we gave is that the child bolded their father. And as the Gemara concluded that they put the child smeared on the father's head, some sort, some sort of delipatory cream that permanently get, burns through the hair. A permanent boldness is something that makes the father lose his value. When you sell a slave on the, on the market, if they're bored, they're worth less money. On the other hand, there is no wound. Blood was not drawn from the parent. So that Mishnah has nothing to do with the case of Rabbah. That's where we're up to. The only thing we have to explain is that if that indeed is the case of the Mishnah, the Mishnah says that the child has to pay to the parent Hamisha Devarim. Okay, we get it. That Nezek, the parent, is worth less because the parent now is bald. But what, what's the Tsar? What pain did the parent undergo when he had his hair, so to say, taken away, even though it won't grow back, but there's no pain to that. 
So continues the Gemara, 10 lines from the top, Tsar, the pain that the child is hyped to pay to the parent is because the is lay kartufne, is because we're speaking about a parent, a father, let's say, that already had cracks, little cracks, but he had cracks on his scalp. He had cracks on his head. And this, and this cream or this lotion that permanently burns the hair went into the cracks. And the parent, the father, was shrouding from pain. So we know that there was pain. That's the tsar. And again, like we learned yesterday or two shiurim ago, how do you evaluate that? How much would have the father paid had he been given the option, this is going to happen to you. You're going to lose your hair. And I'm going to do it to you in a way that it will hurt you. How much money will you pay for me to do it in a different way in which it won't hurt you? That's how you measure the, that's how you monetize pain. First taste. Next, ripui. What's the ripui? Not because you can get the hair to grow back. Ripui means the boye asuye, the, 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 the doctor bill, the doctor that needs to get paid to heal the father from the pain of the cream burning through his cracks. Maybe today, today they have all these things that people who can become bold can have some sort of implants and they get their hair grown back. Maybe that's the ripui. Shavis, the loss of employment. How do you lose employment? So gives the Gemara an example. That the father made his living by dancing at weddings. Dancing at taverns. And part of his shtick was the boye machave gavne arisha. He needed to make humorous gestures with his head. He moved his head around. And the and he cannot move his head around not because it's not funny, because he's bald. Maybe it's even funnier. But he can't move his head because it's hurting. Mahane kartufne from those cracks in the head that got uh, invaded with this cream that is constantly hurting him. And Boishas, what is the Boishas? The fifth says, the There's no greater shame than becoming bald. Here we go. I'll leave it at that. There's no doubt that when this was written, there were many baldies, and you can just imagine what was going on then in the yeshiva when this was being said. Okay, right. Now, so the kids of the Mishnah does not address the case of the Rabbah's question. Rabbah was speaking about a case where there's only a temporary injury. The Mishnah is speaking about a permanent injury. So it's not resolved. Okay, continues the Gemara, that this question that Rabbah did not know the answer to, both Abaya and Rava, they had a position, they disagreed with each other, but they didn't have a doubt. Now, which one holds what? Says the Gemara, the Itmar. He while Yoda, if one hits the other, let's say, Reuven hits Shimon on his hand, and Vitsamsa on the hand shrivels up, but, like we said, the, the hand will heal. So there is a temporary loss in value, but not a permanent loss in value. So Abaya Omar Abaya holds Shavas that the damager Reuven has to both pay him. It's interesting. What we call Nezek is called here Shavas Gedayla. Shavas means loss of employment. Shavas Gedayla means the permanent loss of employment. Now it doesn't mamish mean loss of employment. Again, Shavas here means he has to give him full compensation. For the temporary loss. Not that he can't work. If it would be sold on a slave market right now, being that his hand is wounded, he's not going to have the same value. Even though he's shouting, my hand will get better. 
Maybe yeah, maybe not. And also, Abaya says, and you also have to pay for the loss of income. So clearly, Abaya holds, you got to pay for both. Rava holds, you only have to pay for the loss of income. Now, it's interesting to point that the Rava's words is not, Rava uses the words, which means the following. We explained that at the end of the day, many things balances themselves out. So Nezek means you pay the person for their loss of value. So they used to do, a, they had a job because they had two hands and now they cannot do it, that's part of the loss of value. So when on top of that you have to pay them for the loss of income until they get better, so the Mishnah says, now you say, now that they already have this lower value, the max that they can do is, let's say, be a cucumber watchman, but now that he's sick, until he recovers, he can't even do that. So you pay him for the money that he lost, that he could have earned by being a cucumber watchman. That is the way Shevis is normally paid. Here, being that Rava disagrees with Abaya, Rava holds that you don't pay anything to him for his temporary loss of value. So when you evaluate the loss of income, it's a much more evaluation. It's a much greater evaluation. You actually look at this person. He was working with his hands. Not as a cucumber watchman. He was doing whatever he was really doing. And until it gets better, he cannot do that. That's the loss of income. So yes, Rav on one hand is more lenient. In other words, the damager pays one thing less. But on the other hand, he will pay a lot more for Shevis. Which is why Rav doesn't use the same words of Abaya. Abaya calls Shevis, Shevis Ketana. And Rav calls the words of Shevis, Look at every day. How much was he earning? How much is he earning now? The real loss of employment. And that is what the mazik has to pay. Before we go on, I just want to clarify the, the following. And make a correction. That when we started Pedek HaChoyvel, if I'm not mistaken, I kept on confusing or changing two terms that should not be confused. And that is the following. When a person damages property, that is when we call the person a Adam HaMazik. When a person damages another person, we call them a Adam HaChoyvel. Just allows clarity. So when the, you're chayvul, you chayv v'chamisho devarim. When the adam is mazik, like we learned up until this pedic, for mazik you have to pay only for the damage that you caused. Okay, let's move on. New topic. Itmar we learned. Hakoitea yad evadivri, if a person cut off the hand of a evadivri. And the evadivri now belongs to your fellow. This is a great question. Who lost? The evad lost his hand. But the evad that let's say sold himself to a current master, the master also lost. Because when he bought the Evid, he paid a certain amount of money because the Evid had two hands. Now that the Evid only has one hand, there are many things that he cannot do. So who does the Adam HaChayvul, who does the damager pay the money to? Great question. And you can't say he pays money twice. He only pays money once. The question is to whom? You have the question. So Abaya says, that the one who has the permanent loss, which is the slave himself, he gets the nezek. He's, he was worth more, he's worth less, he gets that money. And the Shevaz Ketana, Ketana means like we just spoke out. Now that he's already worth less, the most he could do now when he's good is being a cucumber watchman. But until he heals... He can't even watch cucumbers. That is the only money that you have to pay to the master. 
So Sheves, Ketana goes to the master. But the Nezek goes to the Evet, which really means that the master loses money. You know, you tell the Mazel, you have bad Mazel. You know, what would happen if a person buys an Evet and the Evet slips on their own and they break your hand? And now, and now he cannot do what the master thought he could do. So it's the bad Mazel of the, of the master. So there's a certain thing, you know, he had bad luck. The point is, is that the damager, the Chayvul, doesn't pay twice. He pays Nezek once. Being that he pays Nezek according to Abayi to the Evet, he already paid for the Nezek. So now the master only gets Shevaz Ketana. Rava holds no. Hakoil yinosin la'evet. Everything should be given to the Evet. However, v'yawakach behem karka. So the money of Nezek, the money of Shevaz, all of it has to go to the Evet. Now that the Evet has this bundle of cash, the Evet can't use it. Being that now he's subservient to a master, he must buy real estate with it, or something that produces income. And Vaharav Eichel Peres, during the time that he's still supposed to be the Eva to the master, the rabbi is going to benefit from that land. Will eat the user fruit of the land. This is Gvaldik. That's a, that's a rabbi's solution. Moving on to the next case. Pshita continues the Gemara. In a case. That Pichres Eitzel Atzmai, that someone damaged an Evid, the Evid's value became lessened, but only for himself. The Eitzel Rabbi Loi Pichres, but as far as the master is concerned, his value was not lessened. What would that mean, for example, Hechidami, the Paske Lereish Unai? What happens if someone cuts off the tip of the ear of the Evid? As far as the master is concerned, Nothing changed. Whatever the rabbi bought the Evid for, the Evid can still do. However, the Evid himself, if he would be sold in the slave market, he would be worth less. Or, if the master, if the mazik, if the, if the chayvul, cut off the tip of the nose of the Evid. So there, there's no doubt, being that the rabbi doesn't lose anything, his value of worth was not lessened. It's not there that we had the machloik of Sabayin Rava. There for sure, the value of the damage goes to the Evet. Piches Eitzel Rabbi, when the damage is something which the Rabbi loses out from, that is where we have the Machlekes, as we just learned between Abaya and Rabbi. Moving on to the two Da'ats. So now, when the, the Mishnah quoted the fifth of the Hamisha Devarim, which is Boishes, and the Mishnah said that we don't have a said value, but Hakoi Lufi Hamavayish, Bahamis Bayish, it all depends on the status both of the humiliator and of the humiliated. And as we spoke at the Rashi in the Mishnah, that when the humiliator is someone wealthier and he has shamed someone else, the shame is less. But if the one who does the humiliation, if the humiliator to begin with is of a lower social status and he ashamed someone else, the victim feels more shame. And you know who shamed me? That no one. And likewise, the humiliated, a wealthy person feels more shame. A poor person is already humbled. He doesn't feel such busha. So every case is a case. It varies. Says the Gemara, Mani, let's analyze and conclude that our Mishnah cannot be Rabbi Meir. Our Mishnah cannot be authored by the Tana Rabbi Yehuda. Our Mishnah has to be Rabbi Shimon. Nothing wrong with that. Why can it not be Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda? Says the Gemara, the Tanan. And here we have on the side, both from Rabbi Shaya Pik and from the Marshal, that it's really a Braisa, the Tanya. Says in the price of a kulon, we're speaking about rich and poor alike. Roy and son, we look at them. 
as if they are aristocrats, free people, that are now poor, why do we look at all Jews, whether they are factually rich or poor, as aristocrats that now lost their money? Because everyone is Shehem B'nei Avram Yitzchak V'Yakov. Everyone is Avram We are descendants of Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. So we are all really B'nei Chayden. However, on the other hand, Avmeir holds that if a person is going to be viewed as a wealthy person, wealthy people have no limit to their shame. If a wealthy person gets ashamed, pshee, they're going to claim, you know how ashamed I am? So the end of our safe. So to equalize everyone, which is what Rav Meir holds, we look at all Jews of the same financial status. Now it's going to become clear at the end of Pevava Medalif that Rav Meir is only saying this regarding finances. This is important to remember. If not, people get confused when they learn the Gemara later. As far as age difference, you know, younger people feel ashamed. Guy's still young, you know, in yeshiva, guy's already established. Or other social status differences, Rav Meir still will hold that there are differences between people. But that we're going to get to later. Financially, that won't change. Rav Meir considers everyone the same. So you can already see that our Mishnah is not Rav Meir. Because our Mishnah is saying, you know, depends, it varies. Rav Meir puts at least financially everyone on the same pedestal. Rabbi Yehuda says, no. You know, it depends on the Hagodl means wealthy. You're wealthy, you're poor, that's our understanding right now. Rab Shimon Rab Shimon says the following that unlike Rabbi Yehuda, that Mamash allows it to vary from person to person, unlike Rav Meir that puts everyone on the same setting, says Rab Shimon, Ashirim, wealthy people, Royin Oisin, we look at them, Kilohim Bene Chayden, like Rav Meir said, we look at them as aristocrats, but that now lost money. Shiyordim in Eschem. Because if we're going to look at them based on their current financial status, they're going to claim an exorbitant amount of money for Busha. Wow, I was so ashamed. Look at me, I'm so wealthy and they ashamed me. Aniim, when it comes to poor people, kibchusim shabahem, we look at all poor people as if they are the poorest of people. In other words, we just put people into two classes. Instead of allowing mamash every person to be viewed differently, you know, you have the wealthy people and you have the poor people. So now clarifies the Gemara, let's read the Girsa of the Bach, that Hashta now, Mani, who is the author of our Mishnah? The Mishnah says that it varies from person to person. He puts all the, all the victims in the same financial category. So if you're going to say it's Rabbi Yehuda, which fits the best. Every person is different, can be. Why? Because in our Mishnah, now our Mishnah means in the Seifa of the Mishnah that we started out in the Pedic, which will be on the Peva of Amidbeis. We'll learn this Mishnah today. But we are assuming, correctly so, that if the Seifa of the Mishnah cannot be Rabbi Yehuda, the Reish of the Mishnah can also not be Rabbi Yehuda. What does it say in the Seifa of the Mishnah? On the Peva of Amidbeis. That if a person ashames a blind or if a blind does the ashaming, that will be clarified soon, you're chayiv. That there is a chayiv, busha by blind. Now, the ilu, Rabbi Yehuda, if our mission will be Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda holds that summa in libashis, that a blind person has no shame. We'll clarify soon what that means. So it can't be Rabbi Yehuda. So Elulaf, so therefore, it has to be that our mission is the Tana, Rabbi Shimon, the Arisha, the Chabura, who holds that 
even on the financial letter level, it varies from person to person. Says the Gemara, well, yeah, the Mishnah can for sure be according to Rabbi Shimon. But don't rule out Rabbi Yehuda. I feel the same Rabbi Yehuda. Ki Amar Rabbi Yehuda. When did Rabbi Yehuda say that Suma ain't like Boishes? That there is no busha by a blind person. That is only lemishkal minei. That's only when the blind person was the one that did the damage. When the blind person was the one that was the chayvul. Being that he's blind, and that's going to lead into the topic we'll continue Mitzvah Hashem tomorrow with whether a summa is exempt from the mitzvahs. Rabbi Yehuda holds that a summa is not obligated to pay for damages. However, but if he was the one that got humiliated, he doesn't see, but he feels, he feels shame. Then even Rabbi Yehuda holds you have to give him compensation. So it works. So it's nothing to do. Rabbi Yehuda holds Summa is Pater. Rabbi Yehuda holds Summa is Chayv. It depends whether he's the humiliator, whether he's the humiliated. Says the Gemara, we're not going to accept that. This difference is true, what we just said. It's going to stay that way. Rabbi Yehuda only exempts the Summa if he's the one doing the shaming. If he's the one receiving, getting shamed, then he will get paid for that. However, the Mishnah is not Rabbi Yehuda. Why? Because for Hamid, since it says in the same Mishnah, and If a person is ashamed, someone who's sleeping is chayif. However, the Mishnah continues, but a, a person who's sleeping that ashamed someone else while they're sleeping. You know, they're sleeping, they stretch, and in their stretch they knock someone in their face, but they did it when they were sleeping. Then they're potter. In other words, the Mishnah differentiates regarding a sleeper, whether he's the humiliator or he's the humiliated. And if the Mishnah would have been Abi Yehuda, the Mishnah should have made the same difference when it comes to a blind person. Because we correctly established that according to Rabbi Yehuda, there is a difference by a summa whether he's the one doing the shaming or getting ashamed. For like Tani, summa should be a shpater. Correct? Uh, to contrast that with a summa that received shame. Michlal, that the Mishnah is not Rabbi Yehuda. And therefore, the hachi, the hachi, that the Mishnah holds that a summa is always going to be chayev. And that pack is not like Rabbi Yehuda. Because Rabbi Yehuda holds that if the Summa ashamed, you won't obligate him to pay. Therefore, the wide answer, the better answer is that our Mishnah is authored by the great Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Says the Gemara, Man Tana, who is the author? Lohadu Tana Rabbanon from the following Braisa. It says in the Braisa, Neschaven And we are assuming that a cotton means someone who is a minor, a person intended to shame a minor, will be a shasagadl, but they ended up shaming an adult. The amount of money that you have to give is not the shame that the person who de facto got humiliated feels, but you have to give the money according to the one to whom you intended to humiliate. How much shame would he have felt, however you evaluate that? And that's the money that you have to pay. Likewise, continues the Braisa, Levaisha Se'evet, if a person intended to shame an Evet, an Evet Knani, and he ended up with as Ben Chayden, he ashamed a free person, or that Naisin Le Ben Chayden, how much money did he pay to the person who got humiliated? Only the only the amount of money that you were going to afflict on the Evet Knani. End of Braisa. Says the Gemara now, hold on. 
Now that we learned that I've made Rabbi Yehudah and Rabbi Shimon, now we're going to have a problem. Because this Braisa apparently cannot be Rabbi Meir, cannot be Rabbi Yehudah, cannot even be Rabbi Shimon. Why not? Because explains the Gemara, the one who asked that question, who read the words minor and adult, cotton and Godel, thought that cotton and Godel is not speaking about age, which it really is. Cotton and Godel in the Havamina speaks about wealth. Cotton means poor, Godel means wealthy. Godel means wealthy in a chasm. And that, of course, doesn't work because Rav Meir holds that everyone is equalized. It doesn't vary based on the financial standings. We just learned Rav Meir. So Rav Meir, it's not because there's no difference. Now, also can be because since the Mishnah says that if a person intended to shame an Evid and they ashamed the Ben Chayden, they don't have to pay the Ben Chayden for the shame that the Ben Chayden felt. But they have to give to the Ben Chayden the amount of money that an Evid would have felt. But something has to be given for the Evid. Rabbi Yehuda holds, A slave doesn't feel any shame. So it can't be Rabbi Yehuda. Elamat's going to be Rabbi Shimon. Ah, nisht. Rabbi Shimon. Ha'amar. Rabbi Shimon holds. That if a person intended to ashamed A, and they ended up ashamed in B, you are completely exempt. Now, we learned this then a few times before, but let's just review two points. Point number one. The first time he focused on this was on Dav Chav Zayin. If you remember, at the end of Ketzel HaRegel, at the end of the second Patek, we had seven memories of Rabbah. The Gemara put together seven statements of Rabbah. And from one of them, we came to the following conclusion. That when an Adam is Chayvul, when a person damages another person, and Hamisha Duvarim, we separated the Hamisha Duvarim into three categories. Nezek, even if you did not intend to damage, you got to pay. Right? I'm driving down the street and my brakes fail and I hurt a mazik. If I damage even other people's property, if I damage for nezik, I can't say it was an oinus. You did it, you pay for it. For the three, which is tsar, ripui, and sheves, there we learned you only pay if there was negligence or some sort of negligence. There, if it was an accident, you don't pay. When it comes to baishas, you only pay if you intended to damage. Even though we learned there, you don't have to intend to ashamed, but you need to have kavana to damage. Now here you had kavana to shame. But you had kavana for someone else. So now let's also review another din that we learned a few times already in Baba Kama. There's a machlekes in Sanhedrin regarding murder. And we're going to compare murder and damage to, for them to be the same. If one person, God forbid, intended to kill Reuven, intentional murder, but they, they, they gave the blow to Shimon. You intended to be a murderer. It's called a intentional murder. Rab Shimon holds that since you did not intend to kill the victim that actually got killed, you're not going to be chayv. And we're comparing the case of Busha to the case of murder. Rab Shimon will hold that if a person intended to ashamed Reuven and they, and they ashamed Shimon, they don't pay at all. Since for Busha you're only chayv if you had kavana to do damage, and your kavana was for someone else, Rab Shimon holds you not chayv at all. Let's read it inside. My Tamil, why would Rab Shimon hold you bachlal exam? Because kiktala, because Rab Shimon will hold that the same rules we apply for murder is applied in the case of busha. Maktala, just like when it comes to murder. The murderer is only chayv in a human court. When he intended to kill the victim that died, in other words, it's not a shaygik, but it's not a mazit. 
No, and here we're quoting a pasik in Parsha Shoftim regarding the Ari Miklot. The Torah says that we're speaking about the aggressor ambushes him, the victim, and become all of and he rises up against him. It's mamish a double expression. He ambushes him and he rises up against him. Why do you need to have these two expressions? Rab Shimon holds from there. You learn Achi is that you have to ambush him. You have to intend for him. Likewise, says the Gemara, that Boishis Nami, Adam is Chavanli. Rab Shimon will be consistent and hold that as we just explained by Busha, you have to have Kavana to hurt your victim. You have to have Kavana for the victim that you actually hurt. As it says here, and now we're quoting a Pasik and Parshish Kiseitse, where two men are fighting, and the wife of one wanting to protect her husband, stopping the aggressor grabs onto his private parts. So the Torah says, Visholcha Yada, she extends her hand, and she grabs onto his shame. Again, she needs she's only chayv if she intended to ashamed him, the person whom she actually ashamed. Actually And therefore, according to Rab Shimon, you won't be chayv at all in, in both cases of the Braisa. So the question back is, who is the author of the Braisom? So says the Gemara firstly, When did Rabbi Yehuda say that that there's no shame when it comes to Avadim? Now we have a Gavaldic splitting of the hair. Now we're not speaking about the humiliator versus the humiliated. Now we're speaking about that the Evid is the humiliated one. Rabbi Yehuda says, you don't pay him. Says the Gemara, there's two ways of understanding that. It's not that you're not chayif to pay him. That ain la'avadim boishis means lemeis falohu. The trader says you don't give him that money. Because he's an avid. But as far as evaluating the shame, shaminan bohu. You make that evaluation. Not that the avid doesn't feel shame. The avid feels shame. There's a gzeres that you don't have to give it to him. Here you actually didn't ashamed the avid. You ashamed the ben chayden. Not that Ab Shimon, we hold that since you ashamed someone, you had kavana to ashamed. And you ashamed someone, even if it's else, you gotta pay. Elamah, you paid the lesser amount of money. Evid doesn't have shame means that he doesn't get it. But you owe it, so to say. There is, there is a shame that you don't have to pay. Gavaldik. Or says the Gemara, three lines from the bottom, that I'll tell you that this price is Rab Meir. Me, Savrat, why are you thinking that when the Braisa speaks about a Gadol, it means a Gadol ben Achasim, a wealthy person. And Katan means a poor person, Katan ben Achasim. No, don't understand it that way. Gadol means Gadol Mamish, an adult. And Katan means Katan Mamish, a minor. I flecked the Gemara, the Katan Bar Does a minor experience shame? So the Gemara says, yeah. Just like the Amar of Papa, as we'll learn soon, Rapapa said regarding another case, the Machlumu Leumechlam, that there are minors that are so young they feel no shame. But there are minors, whatever that age is, they're not adults, they're not bar mitzvah, but if they, you ashame them and they feel shame, that's boishas. Hachinami here also, turning that Pei Bavim the Braisa is speaking about that you intended to damage a minor that if the machlamule, if you would have indeed embarrassed him, umikalam, he would have felt shame. Not as much shame as an adult, but he would have felt shame, and that's the din of the b'raisa, not like the Tanad Shimon, you pay to the adult that amount of money, evaluating the person to whom you would t- intended to shame. Moving on to the next Mishnah.
If a person ashamed someone who's naked, um, the Havamina would mean over here, you spit on him, you slapped him. Or if you, again, the Havamina, you ashamed someone who's blind. You ashamed someone who is sleeping. Now, when he's sleeping, he doesn't feel shame, but when he wakes up, he finds out that so and so happened to him, he feels shame then. Says the Mishnah Yechayev. Continues the Mishnah, however, but if the one who is sleeping is the one that does the ashaming, right, he's the humiliator, he's spotted. Why? As we spoke out before, again, quoting from that Zayin, that by Busha, you have to have Kavana. You don't have to have Kavana to ashame, you have to have at least Kavana to damage. When the guy was sleeping, he had no Kavana. When it comes to paying damage, you got to pay even for an Oynes. When it comes to paying the other things we mentioned, if there was some negligence involved, you got to pay as well. But for Busha, you have to have Kavana. When I'm asleep and I, and I roll over, maybe there was negligence. I should have known that I might have rolled over and ashamed someone, but I didn't have Kavana, and I'm going to be exempt. Next, if a person fell off the roof, and he ended up falling on someone, and that damaged him and ashamed him. So then he's ezek, like we just spoke out, because... And he won't be chayved to pay for the shame. What about Ripui, Sar, and Sheves? That depends. If he fell off the Ruach Matsuya, so there was negligence. He should have known that a wind could have blown him off. And he's chayved for that. If he fell off the Ruach She'ena Matsuya, then he won't have to pay. Not for Ripui, not for Sar, not for Sheves. Because when it comes to Baishas, the Mishnah says, you only chayved until you intend to hurt the others. Says the Gemara, Tan Rabbanim, we learned in Abrais, Bishoy Oroim, if one ashamed a victim who is naked, then you are Chayev. However, says the Braisa, Ve'eino Doima, Bishoy Oroim, Libishoy Lavush. But you can't compare the amount of shame that the humiliated one feels if he's already unclothed as the shame he would have felt if he would have been clothed. So it's different, but there is some shame. Next case in the Braiso, if the humiliator ashamed the humiliated one while the victim is in the bathhouse, again, you're chayiv. However, end of Braiso. Now the Gemara is Gavaldik. Omar Mar, we're quoting the Braiso. When you ashamed someone when they're naked, you're chayiv. So asks the Gemara, is someone who is unclothed, will he feel any shame? Now, why don't we ask that question on the Mishnah? The Mishnah says that when you ashamed the Arim Yerchayev, so the answer will be, what, why don't we ask it on the Mishnah? That the fact that the Baraisa gave two cases, one case is Bebeisa Merchatz, which implies that the first case is regardless whether you are in the bathhouse or not. So a person who's unclothed outside, Taka has no shame. But in the bathhouse, where it's normal for people to be unclothed, then you should feel shame. So when you're behaving, 
the way you're behaving, and then someone else shames you, are you going to feel shame there? So that's what I have to clarify. Is the shame spitting in someone's face, or is the shame connected to unclothing them? So let's read inside. So the Gemara says, Amar Papa, my Arayim, that the meaning of naked, in which the Braisa says that you are Chayiv, the Asa Zika, Karchino Lamani, that a wind came, the person is outside the bathhouse. And again, if a person outside the bathhouse, that's the Havamin, is already unclothed, it's a shameless person. So if he's a shameless person, I'm saying outside the bathhouse, it's unusual for the person to be unclothed. So if the guy is and walking around naked, what kind of shame is there? In the Mishnah, you can learn that it was Bebeis HaMerchatz. In the Braisa, the Braisa speaks about two cases. If it speaks about the Bebeis HaMerchatz, which implies that the Reisha is even when you're outside. That's the question. Oh, so how do you feel shame outside? If, if you're already naked outside, you have no shame. So the Gemara says the guy was outside. He wasn't walking around naked, but the Asa Zika... Here we go, the Zika virus came and Karchino Lamani and the wind, Zika means wind, it blew up his clothing. And also who? Came the aggressor and Dalinu Tfei and he lifted it even more. Kaminig, you know, kick a guy when he's down. So the guy is a, a person that feels shame. He wasn't walking around naked, he was walking around clothed. Ashlamazel, the wind blew up his clothing. In those days they wore tunics, even the men without pants, you understand? So when the clothing blew up, it was shameful for him. He's a person that didn't want that. So came his fellow, instead of helping him, he lifted even more. Next case, continues Ubaishe. Okay, very good. Next case, back to the Braisa, that Bishabhaisamerchatz, if he ashamed him in the bathhouse, he's Chayev. Now, Baisamerchatz Barboish, will you feel shame in the bathhouse? So one second. In the Mishnah again, we might be speaking about spitting or slapping someone. Of course a person will get ashamed if they'll be spit upon or slapped upon in a bathhouse. What difference is there? But now that the Reish of the Braiso is speaking about the shame of becoming unclothed, that's the question. Becoming unclothed is normal in the bathhouse. That should not cause any shame. On which Rapapa answers, No, that he wasn't in a bathhouse. In a bathhouse, people go completely unclothed, like in a mikvah. But on the river, like in a swimming pool, you go with a bathing suit. You cover yourself a little bit. And he went ahead and he pulled off his bathing suit or something like that. So it has to do with uncovering him, but there, there is shame. And again, the Braisa says, much worse in the marketplace. But there's still Busha, Vaitin. Boy, Rab Abba Bar Mamon. Rab Abba Bar Mamon asked the following question. Bisha Yashem Gavaldik. If a person ashamed the other while the other was sleeping, Ruven ashamed Shimon when Shimon is sleeping. And in the Mishnah we learned that you got to pay him. But we spoke out because when Shimon wakes up, he found out what happened to him. He feels shame when he wakes up. What happens if Vomais? Shimon never woke up, he died. Now, who are you paying to? You're paying to, Shua, to Shimon's uh, heirs. Mao is Reuben Chayim. Great question. Speaks out to Gemara. Maika Mibayle. What is underlying the question? Amar Abzvid. This is Rab Abba Bar Mamel's question. Do we say that the cause of paying Boishes, Mishum Kisufayu, it's because of the feeling of embarrassment? And in our case, for Hamislay, since the victim died, Vilais Lake Yisufa, he never felt that embarrassment, so you don't have to compensate, you don't have to pay. Or maybe, Mishum Zilusahu. It's not because of the victim's feeling of embarrassment. Hashem says that you aggressor, you humiliator, you degraded someone else, 
for that act of degrading pay money? Is it because of the terrible thing that you did? Or is it because of the terrible experience that that person received? Yeah, so if it's about the recipient's feelings, he didn't wake up to feel it. But if the trader says when, when the aggressor, when the nevayesh does something degrading to another, pay, he did something degrading. The ha'izli, he degraded someone else. So Tashima. So to answer Abba's question, they brought the following b'raisa. Rameir says, Chedesh, and or a cotton, a deaf mute or a minor, yesh lehem boishes, they have shame. However, shaita, someone who's an imbecile, ain't lehem boishes. Well, that's a sign of a shaita, someone who loses shame. Come a shaita. And so now, end of b'raisa. So says the Gemara, i amart v'shleima mishum zilusa, if the cause of boishes is not the feelings of the one who got beaten. But it's about the sin of the beater, you ashamed, you pay. That makes sense. If you ashamed the minor, even if the minor didn't feel shame, but you did something negative, you degraded another person. But if the cause of the financial penalty of Baishas has to do with the feelings of the victim, does the minor feel shame? Now, we had that in that's the Rafapa. But before the Gemara responds, the Gemara says, hold on. Elamai, okay, let's go with what you're saying. So you're saying it has to do not with the feelings of the victim, it has to do with the sinful behavior of the aggressor. Elamai, Mishum Zilusam. So that's the case if the aggressor ashamed an imbecile, a shaita. The act of shaming someone else is just as negative. Afilo Shaitanami. To which the Gemara gives an interesting answer. That there comes a point that the shaita, who never is taka such a shaita, that ashaming him is not called an act of degrading. That Amri shaita, he's already degraded. He's so degraded by the fact of who he is, that doing something to him is not even called an act of aggression. But Mikal Makayim, nevertheless, Nifshid Minah, let's prove from this Braisa, the answer of Abba Barmamul's Boya, Bishum Zilusuhu, Again, the Gemara talks it out again. Because the E, Mishum, Kisufa, because if it has to do with the feelings of the victim, cotton by Kisufu, to which the Gemara responds, and that, that is the Raf Papa that we quoted at the end of Ahmed Aleph. No, 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 no proof. Why, Kid Ahmed Raf Papa, who told you that a minor doesn't feel shame? It could be a one year old doesn't feel shame, but a minor is un, until Bar Mitzvah. That we're speaking about a minor, the Machlamulei, Umikalam, that if you want to shame him, he will feel shame. So it's different. So there's no proof to the question. Rav Papa, Amar, Rav Papa had a different version of the question of Rav Abba, which was amazing. What's Rav Papa's version? This is what Rav Abba asked. Again, the question is, Reuven ashamed Shimon when Shimon was asleep, and Shimon never woke up. Shimon died. So the question is, not whether Yechayev Boishas for the act of the degrading, no, it has to do with the feelings of the victim. However, Rav Papa says, is it only because of the feelings of the victim himself, and he died, or is it the fact that his entire family got ashamed? One of our chevra got ashamed. So even though he died, the family experienced the shame of their brother, their parent, their son, their family member getting ashamed. Mishum kesufa didehu, is it because of his embarrassment, the victim's embarrassment only, and therefore since he died for he did not experience embarrassment, ideal more maybe, it's because of Baisha's Mishpachat, the family got ashamed. And on that, 
the same exact attempt at proof and rebuttal from the same b'raisa. So if that was the question, Tashima, the same b'raisa, Chedesh, Vikatan, a deaf mute or a minor, they have boishes. However, a shaita ain't loy boishes. End of b'raisa. And again, the same logic. If it has to do with the family feeling shame, that's why the minor. Because the cotton doesn't have boishes, the havamina. But the family feels ashamed that they ashamed our younger brother. But if it has to do only with the victim's feelings, cotton bar boishes, ooh. To which the Gemara responds, okay, Elamai, let's go back. What, what's your logic? If that's the case, even a Shaita. Shaita has a family. To which the Gemara answers, no, Nisht. Sadly, in other words, the fact that the Shaita is a Shaita, even if he gets degraded, the family doesn't feel additional shame. They're already ashamed. You can't, it, it doesn't get worse. You can't fall when you're already on the ground. It's, so, So, to the, to, to, the, to the version of this question of Rav Abba, Mishum the Boshes Mishpacha, because again, because the Imishum Kisufa, if it's because just of the individual shame, cotton bark sofa, to which Rav Papa said, Nish, no proof. In, yes, a minor feels shame. The Machal Muleyumi column. See, a shame a minor and see if he feels shame. And more than that, the Hatanya, that's Benichus, and I'll prove it to you. Rebbe says, Chedesh Yesh Leboshes. A deaf mute feels shame. Shaita An imbecile doesn't feel any shame. Or you can, how do you, what's the definition of a shaita? Someone who has no shame. Today we're living in a world that all of the many, uh, the, you know, the modern psychologists, they take away your shame, which is a terrible thing. They make you into a shaita. And that's why they charge you and you pay. A minor depends, depends on the age. Like we learned, the machal molei Every case is a case. And just concluding what we started out with on Amadalif, that even though Rav Meir holds that financially we put everyone on the same level, but age is different. Even Rav Meir holds, there's a hakoi you have to see the age. Every age carries with it a different level of shame. Continues the Gemara, if you ashamed a blind person, v'chulei, Masnison says the Gemara again, the like Rabbi Yehuda, the author of our Mishnah cannot be the Tanah Rabbi Yehuda, because the Tanyan we learned, Rabbi Yehuda says, Suma ein loy boishes, a blind person. Now again, how did we clarify Rabbi Yehuda? If a blind person humiliated someone else, he's exempt. V'chakachai Rabbi Yehuda pointed, and not only did Rabbi Yehuda exempt a Suma, from paying shame, but likewise, if a summa did an act of halachic manslaughter, killing another person, for which the punishment normally is, you got to go into galos, if the aggressor, if the manslaughterer is blind, he's exempted. Likewise, for the many violations of a negative commandment in the Torah, for which the punishment is malchus, if a summa violated that mitzvah, he's exempt from a chayvi malchus. And even if he didn't act for which there's a chiyuv misas beizdin, Rabbi Yehuda exempted the summa um a chayvi misas beizdin. And now we're going to go case by case. Says the Gemara, my tama the Rabbi Yehuda regarding busha. Why is he not chayv if he ashamed? So Gama Rabbi Yehuda has exeded shava a necho a necho. It says in the pasuk that we just quoted on Amad Aleph. 
from Parshas Kiseitzei about the woman trying to protect her husband. So the Pasuk Deer says in Parshas Kiseitzei, cut off her hand. And again, we learned that was the whole beginning of the Pedic. It doesn't mean literally. It's compensation. And the Torah says, Your eyes should not feel pity for her. Einecha. And we have the words Einecha by Edim Zoymimim. It says in Parsha Shoiftim, Leisachais Einecha on the Edim that were caught to be liars. Mahasim, just like by Edim Zoymimim, Sumim Lai, blind people can never become Edim Zoymimim. Why not? Because how do you become Edim Zoymimim? You have to begin by saying testimony. Why are you saying testimony? That we saw Ruven kill Shimon. If you're blind, how can you see if Ruven killed Shimon? Ask many of the Achreinim, what happens if someone was not. Uh, blind, not seeing impaired, and they witness the murder, and even if they become blind later, why would they not be good for Adam? Kasha, let's go on. Afachi, bottom line is, just like Adam Zoyimim cannot be, a Suma can never become an Eid Zoyimim, because we don't accept his witness to begin with. Afachi, Sumim Loi, Gzei continues the Gemara, that Machai Ve'goluyos, why does Rabbi Yehuda hold that a blind person will never go into Golos? Because the Tanya we learn, when the Pasik says and Parshas Masay, right, regarding the whole case of someone who manslaughters, that Ra'is, that the manslaughterer did not see the victim. Prat Lesuma, Rabbi Yehuda says he didn't see him, that excludes a Suma from the whole Parsha. Because when Hashem says he didn't see him, it implies he's a person that could have seen, he's a seer. Elaman, in this case, he didn't see the victim. If a guy doesn't see anything, it's a given that he didn't see. He, somehow he excludes the Summa. Rav Meir says the opposite. That when the trader says that he did not see him, it comes to include a blind person. Because it's amazing how the same word can be looked at in two ways. Because the blind person didn't see him. He didn't see him, he didn't see anyone, but he didn't see him. Now, if you, since you can learn the word both ways, why does Rav Meir and Rav Yehuda argue? So explains the Gemara the following, beautifully. My time the Rav Yehuda, Amalach Rav Yehuda will tell you, that on Parsha Shoiftim, that's later, not in Masi, when it, the trader again speaks about the dinner of a, a person who manslaughters, who has to go into Golos. It says, If a person entered the forest, to cut or chop wood, and the, that is a very general statement, who can enter a forest to chop wood? Anyone, even a blind person. So the Summa is included in the Parsha in Shoiftim. So now, when the trader wrote the same thing twice, and here we're speaking about someone who, who did not see here. That comes to exclude that which was included. says no. Here, really, it, 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 the first reaction to these words is that it should exclude a blind person. Because the Pasuk is speaking about that the murderer didn't see. means that normally he could. However, when the Torah and Pasha Shreftim says, that he had no knowledge, again, that he didn't have knowledge in this specific case, but normally he knows what's happening, that's another exclusion. And now we have a very important rule, that whenever you have a double exclusion, a double exclusion actually includes, Now what about Rabbi Yehuda? Rabbi Yehuda says that the words belidas is not coming to exclude a summa. There they're speaking about something else, that if a person intended to kill, what happens if a person intended to kill an animal? An animal. And they kill the person, they don't go into Golos. That when do you go into Golos? When you have no intent to do any damage. 
So that's the, that's the believe das. So you only have the words over here of Beloyer Ois. Beloyer Ois excludes the Summa. Next in, Chayove Misa'is Bezdin, that a blind person, God forbid, if he committed the capital sin, he is not killed in Bezdin. Why? Because Asya Ritzeach Ritzeach Now that we established according to Rabbi Yehuda, from the Beloyer Ois, Lema'utai Summa, that you don't go Golos, Ritzeach Ritzeach, when you're killed intentionally, you also don't get killed in Bezdin. Chayove Malkius, also, as your Russia, Russia, Mechayavi Misa is based in. No, it's, it's all learned, Gzeda Shava, Gzeda Shava, beginning with the Beloyer Ois. That is Braisa number one. Let's hop on another piece. Tanya Idich, we learned in another Braisa. Rabbi Yehuda Oimer, here Rabbi Yehuda is giving a much more general statement. He's not only speaking about the specific items that we spoke about on the first Braisa. He says, Summa ain't like a blind person is not liable for humiliating others. That's important the whole time. If the blind person gets humiliated, even Abi Yehuda holds, he gets paid. He feels. He can't see, but he feels. But if he's the one humiliating, you don't obligate him to pay. Ah, much bigger. That a blind person is, is exempt from all of, from the entire judicial system, which means he can't be a judge. He can't be a plaintiff, he can't be a defendant. My Tamid Rabbi Yehuda, why? Because Amar Kra, again quoting a passage in Parshas Masay, where it says, V'shoftu ha'eda, that the congregation should judge, Bein hamako, bein ha'goyel adam, right? In the cases where someone manslaughtered, and then a family member killed a murderer, and were they allowed to kill him or not allowed to kill him? Was he in the Ari Miklot? Was he not in the Ari Miklot? So the Parshas speaking says that you judge him, Al hamishpatim ha'elam, Based on the rules that the Torah gave. So says Rabbi Yehuda, Kol whoever is included in the din of having to pay for hurting someone else, whoever is included in the din of Goyal Hadam, whoever is chayv to go into Golos, Yeshnei B'mishpatim, is included in all monetary cases. However, Kol Adam, if a person is excluded from having to pay for injuring someone else, a person who is excluded from having to go into Golos, which is the Summa, they are excluded with all the Mishpatim. They are excluded from all monetary cases that are dictated by a Beisden. So asks the second Tresvus in the Ahmed, the Gavaldika question, Oy Bazoi, why did we need to have Boishas being exempted by Rabbi Yehuda from Einecha Einecha? Now that we excluded him from the Goyal Hadam, he should be excluded from everything. And Tresvus says, Eino Hanami, the first Ayin was the first answer that after Rabbi Yehuda found this new limud of the Shaftu Ha'edah bin Amakim and Adam, he didn't need the Gzei anymore. So Mir Tashem will take up here tomorrow this concept that a Summa is exempt from many, many obligations in Mir Tashem to be continued.